1: Welcome to Season 2, Episode 59 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of ComicBook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today, I got the regular crew, I got Matt Aguilar. What up? And Janelle Wheeler.
2: Hey, friends.
1: And uh, today, we are uh, just slogging through this August here. It's not quite DC fandom. Yeah, it's not quite (laughs) DC fandom time yet, but that's coming up, uh, so we'll be getting to that on our next episode, a whole breakdown and preview of that. But today we got a good mix of some news and some kind of in-depth discussion. We're going to be talking about the latest Star Wars rumor which points to a uh, another major spin-off film and or TV show. We haven't kind of talked about the situation with Avatar the Last Airbender's Netflix live action series and uh, how that's just going down in flames, and so we're gonna get into all that because uh, it got personal this week. Um, yeah, no, for real, things got kind of crazy that bled over into my life, and uh, we gotta give an update. Similarly, about the boys season three, we have been like kind of waiting for the boys season two to arrive because we got so much to talk about there, um, including like we've gotten to talk to the cast and all of that, and so we've been talking about season two, but the boys season three is getting even more hype than season two right now, so we gotta talk about why and uh we're gonna do some gaming because matt matt's trying to always campaign for the second career in gaming so we got to make sure we uh we help him along and give stuff for the resume waiting
2: for matt to be on twitch yeah so but uh no seriously we got
1: to talk about a game that was near and dear to my heart and also nearly broke my brain which is battletoads it's making a comeback this week so we got to talk about that and uh we're gonna talk about that next batman game and the growing amount of kind of evidence and i think oh man we should probably touch on suicide squad too because i don't think we talked about that at all did not so it's not even the show notes, but uh, we're going to keep evolving. We keep evolving as we go on, on this show. So we're going to talk about that as well. Then we're going to deep dive into uh, Netflix's Project Power, the uh, new kind of superhero-ish movie starring Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And uh, we, I gave you a review of Lovecraft Crunch. Ah, pff, man, I just butchered that. Lovecraft Country, last show. But uh, now that it's out and everybody's seen it, we're going to kind of go into it, get everybody's reaction and talk uh, full spoilers. Or actually, I don't know. Am I the only one? I feel like I just realized, yeah, yeah, I'm the only one who's seen
3: it.
2: Lovecraft Crunch sounds like a great cereal. Uh,
1: I was going to
3: say Candy Bar, but yeah, yeah. no, that's
2: awesome.
1: (laughs) Uh, Matt, you haven't seen it, have you?
3: I have not. But I'm okay with spoilers, by the way, so
1: it's
2: So am I, yeah.
1: So, yeah, yeah, because I put this in the title, we're going to have to talk about it. (laughs) But it's good to know it's going to be a one-sided conversation. Maybe you can convince
2: me to sign up for HBO again. (laughs) Oh, Um,
1: God. No, man, I'm not getting in (laughs) this. And... uh, we're going to talk about new comics because there's new comics to talk about. And uh, yeah, all right.
3: That's and we, we have a really cool interview for you. Spider-Man yeah,
1: Howard. I'm so bad at these interview things. I got to always drop these in the <laughs> beginning. Thank you. That is <laughs> why I have a co-host. Yes, I keep forgetting <laughs> to tell you guys about these interviews because we have been just, you know, it's quarantine. It's August. I don't have a brain anymore. But uh, our interview guest today will be Spider Woman writer Carla Pache- Pacheo? Pacheco. 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 You even told me, you coached me, and I still blew it. All right, good. Spider-Woman writer Carla Pacheco will be our guest today. Matt got to sit down with her and do an awesome interview about that series. So we're going to get to uh, talk to her as well. Yeah. So enough of my yammering, and uh, let's get to it. Right at the top, let's talk Star Wars. So the rumor is that, and this comes from uh, Castle Run Transmissions, which is a site I mean, those guys are pretty hardcore Star Wars uh, scoopers. They, they know a lot, and they've been kind of on point about a lot. And uh, what they're hearing, and they, and I like what they report because they always drop the proper caveats. And it's also one of their main people is another outlaw. Like, So that's I, I always respect that. Um, <laughs> you know, somebody with the last name outlaw. We're, we are a kind of a clan. But anyway, so we basically, they're hearing that Lucasfilm is in Disney or in some kind of early stages of development on a – Kylo Ren spinoff project. It is uncertain right now whether it's a movie or a series. And it's also not specifically just Kylo Ren. It it could be much more about Ben Solo and the kind of history and backstory of Ben Solo. And basically what they're kind of saying is that the reasoning is that Lucasfilm reads the internet and has kind of seen... The massive kind of fan outpouring for Ben Solo and or Kylo Ren, but uh, ever since the return or the rise of Skywalker, it's been Ben Solo who, you know, when he made his kind of return to the light, people were really mad that spoilers that he got killed off or sacrificed himself to save Rey and they didn't both live and stuff like that. And so there's been this whole campaign to bring him back. And so Lucasfilm has naturally heard that and as they are pretty much on the defensive since the rise of Skywalker of playing clean up with the franchise, this is another thing they could clean up and make some money on, um, giving fans more Ben Solo Solo slash Kylo Ren content. So that's what we've heard. Uh, And already people are saying, I mean, there's a lot of ways this could go. I think we did kind of reviews for the rise of Kylo Ren comic book on the podcast when it came out saying and kind of just freaking out about how much better it was than like anything we got in the actual three movies about Kylo Ren, uh, that whole backstory. And as I said in the article about this, like that comic series touched on a lot of the big bullet points of like why Ben Solo or like how he went from Ben Solo to Kylo Ren after this falling out with Luke Skywalker. But it also opened the door to a much larger story that indicated like all these flashbacks about All the adventures he and luke skywalker had had around the galaxy for years and kind of how he came into contact with snoke and had actually been influenced by snoke as much as he had been by luke for years and years and like all and how he kind of figured out about the knights of ren there were ties to the high republic like and so there's a lot bigger story of ben solo's formative years kind of to tell um and the, the key is, how would you do this? And that's, I'm sure, the big conversation that's probably in the early stages of development in Lucasfilm is basically, how do you do this? Because Adam Driver has been pretty clear that he's done with Star Wars fame. So, Which like,
2: is heartbreaking, because yeah, I understandable. Him.
1: But understandable. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you guys know this, but it's no secret. Everybody who's basically did the sequel trilogy is like, I'm done. Like, wow. Yeah. And that's the other thing in the rub. It's, it's, so is Mark Hamill. Um, Mark Hamill's pretty much done with Star Wars 2 and doing live action at least and so either way you would do a live action if it was a flashback to Ben Solo's younger years or kind of you know about some way in fans there's been a lot of like resurrection series talk like bringing the character back like that requires either Adam Driver or Mark Hamill or both. In, yeah. in a kind of properly realized I'll thing. take
2: both. That'd be great. Uh,
1: yeah, but, but you're not, I don't think you were listening <laughs> to that previous part where I, I said you're not getting either. So like <laughs> 2020, it's time to keep expectations real. Um, yeah. yeah, we're Does not... Adam,
2: he either. doesn't read the internet, I don't think. Not no. like Lucas. Yeah, yeah, everyone
1: doesn't care about the internet. Doesn't care about the internet. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> we're not getting that. Uh, I mean, but they didn't say it had to be live action. There's also talk it could be an animated series, which is something I could totally see um, as a replacement for Clone Wars you could have something about kind of just those years of Luke Skywalker and Ben Solo kind of being together because it is a Clone Wars vibe all over again, right? You know, this franchise yeah. loves echoing because that was all about Anakin and Skywalker and uh, Obi-Wan's time together in the Clone Wars. That's, that, that was really the heart of that series and so, about how they kind of, how Obi-Wan became so
3: important to him and why therefore the falling out was much more tragic and all that, so. So quick question though: why did, why did Clone Wars and like Rebels end? Was it just the natural end of those stories or were they canceled? Um, No, they, they, I mean, Clone
1: Wars survived cancellation like several times over. It was canceled on Cartoon Network. Netflix picked it up and did a couple more seasons. And then even when fans felt that story got kind of a truncated ending in the kind of half ass season six, they did, they, and Ahsoka got shorted. They came back and then did this final season of Clone Wars. So the Clone Wars was the comeback kid. Rebels okay. was always kind of. It, I mean, it wasn't as popular, but it was still popular and had a cult following. And but it was. It was always that kid that was only going to be able to tell so much of a story, yeah, because of its natural place in in the canon. Because gotcha. it's just basically. I mean, once you got standalones coming out with Rogue yeah. One, and so like it began How much are you going Yeah, right. and that space shrank very quick, and so like Rebels was good. Let's get in. Let's get out. And already they have to explain like, where is Ezra Bridger? Like, you know, all this stuff. So okay.
3: So that was my because my question on that was like, okay, well, if that format isn't working anymore, then that might not be the route they take for this. But if it was, if it was just like, hey, that story was done, and because I I think that honestly, that's the best format for for this. I, I think. I am bummed because the first thing I, I, and I'm probably like Janelle and everybody else, the first thing I think of when you say Ben Solo is, oh, hey, they're going to find some jerry-rigged way to bring him back because that's the, Ugh. like, Ben Solo got interesting right at the end of the well, movie and then they kill him, right? So, interestingly like, Interestingly
1: that enough, there's, that's one of the big fan kind of wish, big theories that's getting propelled is you could do, since Star Wars is already into this weird trippy stuff, like the Mortis arc is very popular. Ezra Bridger's like kind of realm between realms where he got lost. So there is this weird Twilight zone element to Star Wars out there. And so all this stuff with the Dyad and the Force and Rey and Ben being connected and being able to do these new abilities, those movies didn't explain crap about that. (laughs) Yeah. But you can't
3: get get him. So do you you recast? No, you just do it animated because animation
1: is stuff is still canon. Um, Here's my thing. Animation stuff is still canon, number one. Yeah. Number two, uh, the, this final season of Clone Wars was massively popular and, and successful for, for Disney+. Plus. And I don't remember if you remember, we had uh, the voice of Ahsoka Tana, Ashley mm-hmm. Eckstein, on the show. And she basically said that one of the big things she pointed out was what changed the game for all of them when they thought this was all dead was streaming. Like the Netflix, yeah. when Clone Wars hit Netflix, that's what resurrected this series. Now there's Disney+. Plus. And again, like, this is just like the DC stuff too. Like streaming changes everything. Mm -hmm. It makes Snyder cuts possible. It makes Mm -hmm. more Clone Wars possible. And it makes, if you want to make a Ben Solo Adventures in Luke, like animated series, that is canon. It all counts. And you can do it that way. And there's a massive Star Wars animation fan base. And Mm -hmm. you just, the voice actors in some ways have become more more famous than the actual actors. Like when you get like Darth Maul, like Sam Witwer is like, you know, people like that is Darth Maul. So now he is in movies and stuff. So you can yeah. recast Ben Solo and, and do somebody. You know, I am down for that. Movie. Like Camel might even do something like that. You never know. Yeah. yeah.
3: So. I'm down for that all, all the way. Like if, even if driver's not involved, even if they got to get some sound alike, right. let's <laughs> just go with but that. They can pull, that's pull it fine. off. Yeah. yeah, they can pull it off. But that story, like that, I would love like they made you they made you care about the redemption art in that movie. And so then to like not be able to go anywhere with it is a complete bummer. And I get why they did it for like story purposes. But if we can get around that, which you're right, all this cloning and craziness, there's there's umpteen million ways to do it uh and if the series is good people will honestly just accept it even if it sucks the way they bring it back
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> so oh, like yeah, no, I'm, yeah i'm good for that and i would I mean,
1: love to see something trippy in an animation where it is like he's lost in the forest because of this diet stuff but he's still here connected and raise his anger or whatever and like you just come back and he goes through time and he sees himself and he sees his journey and he comes out and he's the awesomest jedi ever like i'd, I'd love that I, I'm Me too, if
2: fan. it was live action.
3: Ah, <laughs> uh, no. Janelle's,
1: no, it's Janelle's not anything
2: face. against. I think they'll do an incredible job. And so many diehard, like Star Wars fans, even if they are not into the animated side of things normally, like, they will chomp on this. I get it. It's just I'm not really heavy-handed into Star Wars, and I'm also not really heavy into animated. So I'm kind of, like, on the fence here. I will probably watch it, but it won't – it's not something that I'm as excited about. Like, if it was a live-action show, I would be losing my mind. Like, I would be – but it's also because I love Adam as an actor so much. Like, I followed him – way outside of Star Wars, you know, and when he was announced as part of Star Wars, I was insanely excited just to see him. So yeah, I, I get it and I think it's gonna be fantastic, but for the live action fans who are kind of on the fence with Star Wars, we're kind of bummed. <laughs> like, I can't. It. Uh, I can't. Well, I mean, help, there's nothing to be time... bummed about,
1: guys. Everybody, take a step back. There's nothing to be bummed about yet. We don't right. know what this is, so it could be I still can't still other think way. of
3: Either anything so else though. That. When Adam Driver comes up, then that Domenico skit from SNL, where he's, <laughs> where he says, like, you see this biscotti cookie? Oh my god, that <laughs> <set. laughs>
2: He was. So- well,
1: um, I met Adam Driver in Girls, and that's how I remember Adam Driver.
2: Oh my gosh, that's I mean. great. He was actually great in Girls, yeah. He's yeah.
1: great in everything. Yeah, he some, some pretty memorable Truly. stuff. He did <laughs> show, so, I'm uh, curious
2: yeah. if in the animated series they would make him, it, it, like that, if the character would look like Adam Driver, like, are they allowed to use his likeness? I'm curious. Well, I mean,
1: they they kind of do their own thing. Like Obi-Wan's a good example. I mean, he's, he's very mm-hmm. Ewan McGregor-ish without at all being Ewan McGregor in the animated yeah, series. So. True, that's a good one. Um, all right, we're going to move on because, yeah, I mean, we're not going to get too emotional about this. We've got to see what develops. But uh, let's talk about Avatar The Last Airbender. So we haven't really touched on this here, but um, Avatar The Last Airbender is kind of making a comeback. It's hit streaming as well it's on netflix the legend of core is now on netflix so check those out and uh yeah we were supposed to watch this me and janelle um i never really got through it i tried again guys i same. tried again like i but, did the uh, same thing it, i mean it's just not high on my enjoyment factor it, it's just a little i think i missed my chance it's a little too youngish for me I but agree. i understand why people like it and the mythos is deep and rich and and it, it is its own world and so they have been, tr- they tried to do the M. Night Shyamalan movie in the 2000s or 2010s Oops. and that fell apart really bad. And now Netflix was going to do this live action series and they were going to, they, I mean, the fans heard this and they were like, oh God. But then they heard that the original anime creators, Brian uh, Konzitsko Koin- uh, and Michael D. Martino were coming back to be the kind of shepherds and showrunners of this live action Netflix series. And that made fans like, okay, and sit up straight in their seats and be like, okay, uh, you know, I'm listening now. And they said, I mean, they basically committed to say, you know, we are going to make a show that is just like the animated series. And this was one of the problems with the movie. Uh, The movie was kind of cast with a lot of uh, Caucasian actors as the characters. And the world of Avatar is a lot of kind of Asiatic people, like peoples of all kinds of colors from. And it's kind of based on cultures, like, you know, from the Pan Pacific all the way across to, like, Africa, the Middle East, things like that. So this wasn't really reflected in the casting of the movie. And people, understandably, had a problem with that. Yeah,
2: that's a shame.
1: And so the creator said, yo, we're going to make this series. We're going to do the vision that we had for the anime, meaning diversity, inclusiveness, all that stuff. And this is what we're going to do. Cut to, like, a week ago. And basically they came and just posted a letter and said, look, we're, we're out. We're not doing the Netflix series, whatever they come up with. It's not our vision. It's theirs. Like they promised us. And they kind of alluded without slamming or being too harsh. They said, you know, we came in, it's creative differences. We came in, we said we could do our vision. That's no longer the case. And we didn't feel like this was a good work environment for us to be in and dealing with the show. So we're out. And so
2: that sucks.
1: So now there's a whole thing that's happened. So there was this whole kind of cancel. There came a report from, I believe, uh, Fandom Wire. And they said that they weren't going to be, that basically that Netflix was trying to make changes to this show that were going to not set well. The obvious casting thing, but also to give it kind of a Netflix dramatization they were trying to kind of add sexualization and kind of stuff like that to the show with what are essentially child characters and like, Aang, the main character supposed to be like a 12 year old boy and mm-hmm. things like that. And so, yeah, and that just set everything off. Yeah. So then that kind of kicked off and that rumor became, yeah, it was Fandom Wire. And this is why I got personal, some of the people at Fandom Wire I was just putting together a thing about the cancel, cancel Netflix's Avatar live action became a trending topic on Twitter. And I reported on that, not knowing that that. Fandom Wire had done this thing that they had and there were some things with the people who run Fandom Wire that were in some of the kind of the tweets that people were slamming that kind of, they came to me and were all upset about. And so... (laughs)
2: Oh, I had whoa. to kind of
1: dig into that and like, I'm not going to go into that here, but like You anyway. didn't
2: even know you're a part of this. No, <laughs>
1: yeah. I, I just started. I woke up <laughs> Saturday morning and was getting all these like DMs and was like, wait, what is happening? Because I don't get Close DMs. your DMs. And no, I don't get DMs. It wasn't from fans. People know but I People know Yeah, There's been a yeah. few people who tried that. They're, no, they're right. not the same. They're not the same. <laughs> you come into my world. <laughs> it's like a Lovecraft situation, but we'll talk <laughs> about that later. Oh gosh, anyway, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Then the psychosexual games begin. No, so I, there's, um,
2: they're doing a petition, uh, huh? Um, so,
1: yeah, we're, so to they're get back to the real story, this cancel thing started, um, yeah, it got really blown up, and now, yeah, they're starting a petition because they're saying that basically the petition reads that we fear the cat, The casting of the live action will lack the proper cultural representation, and we demand that all cast members are properly representing their characters' origins. For instance, the cast members for Katara and Soka must be Native Not white, but Native. And so this is, again, a reaction to what happened to the casting of the M. Night Shyamalan movie, where there were white actors cast in these two kind of very tribal Native characters who are represented in the show of the Water Tribe. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, and people felt that was way off and fans of the original series don't want that. So, that's where we're at. I don't um, know why
2: this is even still a discussion. Like, why aren't we casting correctly still? Like, I just, it's so frustrating as someone on the outside looking in, like, watching these movies, shows, you know, they've succeeded already. Why do we have to try to change it to appropriate? It's just very frustrating. And I can't even imagine what it's like as being a huge super fan of the series. And being so disappointed in this way. And you know what? I give props to, you know, the creator that they exited. I think they did the right thing, you know, trying to protect what they created. I get it. If they don't want to be a part of that. I get it. Yeah. no,
1: okay. it
3: makes sense. Well, just to keep everything
1: on the kind of rumor from fact stage, we don't know gotcha. exactly what happened. But here's what Fandom Wire's exclusive said. Uh, the, the kind of big bullet points were the budget. The creators wanted more money, but as Netflix. They weren't getting it um diversity uh netflix wanted to maybe get some white actors to you know basically play some of these roles probably to bring in star power and names and the creators were trying to stick to their guns about no we're not going to be whitewashing these characters uh and then there was this, this thing called the overall tone um they wanted to age up major characters like ang zuko katara and soka and they wanted to make it kind of dark night, it make it darker, edgier, um, bloodier
3: and more sex. Basically a
1: Netflix not show. That's what
2: it's about.
1: But that's a Netflix
3: live action show. <laughs> but that's if weird. they were, okay, so if they were doing that though, if that was what they were clashing over, then it wasn't that they were sexualizing child, like children. They <laughs> right. were trying no. to up everybody's age but so that what it I was meant, appropriate. Uh, yes, let me
1: be very clear by yeah. what I'm saying there because yeah, I, yes, let's be very clear and go back. <laughs> what I'm saying there, it wasn't, no, they weren't trying to make 12 year olds have sex with each other. Yeah. They were trying to take, these characters that people know as being childlike and yeah. age them up for the purpose of romantic entanglements and in, in possible love scenes yeah. and stuff like that, which is a very, you know, legally speaking, a very different thing, obviously, <laughs> but um, still creepy to a lot of fans who, who love this series and love the
3: characters for, for these reasons for who they are. Um, Boy, yeah. this stuff just seems like, this is one of those things that you kind of question, like, did you guys really meet before the deal went through? <laughs> like did you guys have these discussions? This is all stuff you sh- like this should have been ironed out way ahead like when that deal was originally because these are big things Huge. like these are yeah, so unless Netflix just pulled a complete dirt bag <laughs> and was like hey we 're not going to honor any of the things we told you that seems like like this is a, a- feels like a big thing of like either miscommunication or just shady shady dealings like and you know netflix wasn't throwing pennies at this like netflix isn't afraid to put money into something so i don't Mm -hmm. see that this movie like was suffering because of a low budget they might have wanted more and this property does kind of require a big budget because you're doing all these effects like as we saw in the first live action movie. If you don't put the money in, it's going to come off terribly. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, Yeah. So that's
1: just, that's just insider rumors that, you know, and fandom wire has made it very clear. They are sticking by their report. So they, um, that is what's going on there. But um, my whole thing is, and we got to stop soon, but uh, my whole thing in this is just like, and then one of the tweets I think I did in a collection of them said it best. It's like, like, didn't you learn? Haven't we been here before? Yeah. Like trying to turn yeah. this into a live action series just seems like more trouble than it's worth on a lot of levels.
2: Wow. You're gonna, yeah.
1: You have a twitchy fan base. You need a lot of money for effects. You know, the diversity thing is a big deal. And you have to, I mean, and I can understand why you're sweating getting a bunch of, like, you know, arguably very talented native people, but that don't necessarily have the name recognition yeah. of drawing in a series and after they've done stuff like the witcher like cursed is what i could came immediately to my mind when i'm mm-hmm. thinking like what are you thinking they're gonna make here netflix mm-hmm. is like okay we saw curse those are youngish characters but we yeah. still have them at an age where they could you know we can see arthur and the lady of the lake bang and it's not creepy to anybody and you know we can still do that and that romantic intrigue helped sell the series so we can do that again um but again that's not avatar In I think the other point that fans have made is the one that I would end on. It's like if you're this invested in this property, why not just pay the original creators to just make you another manime? Like
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Or you're not pigeonholed into those things. Yeah. That makes sense. You're killing
1: it on Avatar streaming, you're killing it on Cora streaming. Make another one. And there are not only is it could they make another chapter in a whole new series in that same line, but then people would be ecstatic, but there are Avatar comics and graphic novels in the series that, you know, have that people mm-hmm. that the fans already love that have yeah. never been turned into anything on screen.
2: That's such or, a
1: good like, point. You could just be releasing specials, like almost manga OVA style. Like you could be just dropping these and making money and probably- It
2: ain't cheap. broke, don't fix it. Yeah. So I, I don't know,
1: but I don't make Netflix's stuff. We're going to take a <laughs> you break. You While I look at jobs at Netflix, we're going to take a little break. <laughs> when we come back- We got a deep dive into uh, Project Power, Lovecraft Country, and a bunch of comics and some gaming stuff. All right.
4: Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
1: Okay, so before we get into our deep dive stuff... Let's talk about the boys season three. Just to keep you updated, we're not going to spend too much time. But uh, the boys season two is coming up, and we are looking forward to that. I think Matt's already gotten to see that, but can't say too much.
2: Oh wow, really?
1: Yeah, him and Charlie, I think, have seen it.
2: Oh my gosh, yeah. that's so, so exciting! Yeah, you
1: guys got to see, it. and B- BD, probably Beatty gets to see everything. Of course. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> he also
2: gets like twelve boxes of nice shoes to give away to whoever he wants. Yeah, I mean, on the store stuff. Saw picture of that, that today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Hey, hey, yeah, I mean living the life. Living the life. <laughs> I get to talk to you guys on a podcast, so I mean so we're all winning here. So it's great. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. So Yeah.
2: Sorry.
1: <laughs> so the boys season two is coming up, but uh the boys season three is already looking pretty lit as I put in the show notes here. If you're not kind of up on what's happening, the first big thing to break was that uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who worked with Boys creator, um, Eric Kripke on Supernatural, uh, has been kind of saying and lobbying for his own role in season three. And Eric Kripke said, hell yeah, because you know, who doesn't want Negan on their show? Oh my God, uh, I would freak out. JDM is still circling and it looks like, by all intents and purposes, it looks like he could be in it. And I I think I know who he would be kind of good to play, um, which is the boys' original uh, secret handler of the boys. Uh, basically, I forget his name. I'm kind of trying to think, but he's the guy who's been pulling the strings all the time, uh, throughout mm. the series and kind of his Billy, Billy Butcher's mentor. And, uh, yeah, so yeah. I will take Jeffrey great.
3: D Morgan in anything. I and
1: he, will too. Him and, and, and Carl Urban and him being kind of like an Man. older, just ass to like, who's just, you know, kind of
3: trading barbs with Carl
1: Urban. Cause who's the guy that right? can
3: walk in and make Billy and, and put Billy Butcher on his toes. Yeah, and exactly. that's, that's Jeffrey. D. Like, Jeffrey D. Morgan can walk in there with as much snark, as much presence, and that would be amazing to see. Oh, my gosh. That would be great. Fingers crossed. No, I mean, yeah, so
1: that'll be great. And yeah, so I would, I would see that. So that's the big, first big thing. The second thing um, is, you know, keeping with a the supernatural theme. So JDM is circling, but we're also going to get Jensen Echols. Supernatural star Yay. Jensen Eccles is coming to the boys as Soldier uh, Boy. Uh, as yeah, Soldier
2: Boy. Soldier
0: yeah. Boy. <laughs> and
1: yeah, Soldier Boy <laughs> is basically Captain America of... The Captain America spoof of the boys. And he is very much not Captain America. <laughs> like, let's just leave it at that. Uh, he is very much kind of a kind of scared a coward and a bumbling idiot and i really hope that jensen Eccles kind of gets to play that that version of soldier boy because everything is scaled down i mean you might think the boys is crazy but everything is scaled down from what the comic is
2: yeah and which is wild because it's it's like larger than life
1: yeah to, it's to say the least yeah um yeah. To say the least yeah so Ugh, but um, yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, if he kind of comes into it, if you've ever read the spin spinoff of The Boys, like uh, that gets even worse. So there's some pretty horrible things that happen to Soldier Boy, but as a result of both Billy Butcher and um, Homelander uh oh, no. yeah he gets abused pretty badly in pretty oh, much no. every way you can possibly abuse somebody so yeah that'll be interesting to see jensen eckles in that and finally we heard that uh sean ash i always uh, sean ashmore will be lamplighter who yeah. is the boys version of green lantern um cool. he's a guy who could do pyrotechnics from his magic lamp and he was the original member of the seven who left the team to make uh to make room for Starlight when she came on in first season, and they never—they kind of teased why he left, but never really admits to it. And these are all important characters because they are part of a bigger arc in the story in the comics that come. They are—they're actually all related to each other. So I've, I looked up who JDM could play, and that's uh, his name is Mallory. Greg Mallory is the—he's part of like uh, the original kind of. He was from World War ii and he was like kind of part of that like Avengers. Uh, or Invader Squad, and he kind of helps run the boys from the shadows. Cool. And so his daughter was killed by LAMPLighter in the comics, oh, and, which wow. led to kind of LAMPLighter leaving the team and being all screwed up. And he has history with kind of like Soldier Boy. So there's all these things coming together. That well, be... lots
2: of storylines. And it's
3: it's interesting too because like th- it's funny because uh, the JDM thing, while well that that has not been confirmed, and you know things like that for season three, we're hopeful, right? But Soldier Boy being a big part in season three and then having Lamplighter in season two because uh, Laz Alonso uh, was talking about like stuff that we're gonna see in season two uh, for the rest of the episodes. And he was, you know, hinting that like in flashbacks, we're gonna see uh, how like the original Boy squad, like before they originally broke up. And that very much paves the way for introducing Lamplighter into the mix which then if they keep those ties from the comics, then ties to Mallory, right? Because we might see like the beginning of that formed even here. So even though some of this stuff is like season three, we're still going to get, it seems like the possibility is anyway, like real tethers and and really cool stuff to kind of chomp on until season three hits. Like we'll get that stuff here. So that's, that's really cool. Like the possibility.
1: Yeah. And the great thing about the show and, you know, Kripke does knowing like the comic series is, There's already, I mean, it's almost certain JDM will come in and play Mallory because they've already dropped all the teases and all the presents that they've already seeded all this. So when you go back and you like watch season one and season two, you're going to be able to see Mallory's presence without without kind of seeing him. And they've done all that. And all the lamplighter stuff, again, is is already there. Yeah, People have spoken around all these events in season one. But season one's so crazy that you just don't notice these holes that they're talking around. Um but they're going to come into play. So, yeah, it's going to be uh, good to see the boys. We're going to keep an eye on that. Looking yeah, we'll have a review that. next week. Boo. Oh, Ooh, uh, yay. Is that going to be next week's show? We're going to do a Next week,
3: show? man. Oh, yeah, okay. we get to talk about You're, it.
1: You and Charlie talk about this. It's going to be great. I'm just going to sit back and, <laughs> and, and see <laughs> you guys go crazy.
3: All right, so gaming. Let's go, Matt. Uh, take us through quickly. Some yeah, so – uh, the first one we'll just touch on really quick. So they released like 20 minutes of footage from the uh, new take on Battletoads, which I know is close to Kofi's heart. We got a lot of retro gamers Battle on the Toads show. Battletoads really yeah. broke me.
1: Has anybody ever beaten Battletoads? Like, no, there's anybody. got to be somebody.
3: There has to, has to be somebody, someone. right? There's if always you someone. you are this
1: podcast and you know somebody <laughs> who beat Battletoads, or I you are find. somebody who beat Battletoads, we want your story. Hit us up at the hashtag comic book nation.
3: Um, it looks, I, I don't know if you had a chance to take a look at the footage, but um, the beautiful. the visual style looks gorgeous. Like it is yeah. just a really pretty, I mean, it is classic Battletoads. So, I mean, it's that, you know, side-scrolling brawler and then of course there's like multiple uh gameplay styles within the rest of the game so you'll have like this um uh, geometry wars looking shooter and then you have this like racing segments and things like that in between but the
2: racing's really cool too yeah, yeah.
3: it looks it's just like really fun i it plays i don't know if you notice this but like i'm playing streets of rage 4 uh the recent kind of uh sequel upgraded same Gameplay style and same stylish visuals, but, like, given an overhaul, played really, like, it was flawless, like, the way it played, like, the, okay. the frames and everything, and, like, it, it was really fast-paced for a brawler, and it kept your attention with the visuals, because they were always, like, pulsing and the colors were there. Here, the, the style looks really good, but the gameplay looks slow. Like, and this doesn't it doesn't seem like a frame rate thing, right? It just seems like that's... The
2: movement. In yeah general. like yeah. everyone's
3: kind of sauntering it's weird right. like no one's moving fast <laughs> like everyone's no, that's just kinda, so
2: true yeah yeah uh
3: so that kind of worries me um again i think that's just going to be an acquired taste it's not necessarily it's really a bad great thing. for
2: me because i'm not the best at this style of game so <laughs> <laughs> but it, <laughs> but it looks
3: it looks really good and it's uh in conjunction with rare and i'm always interested to see what they do so i mean What's definitely the, there's
2: like a shooting portion too
3: yeah, so that's like the top down yeah. um, very and it's really colorful and, and you're it's very, like I mean, it reminded shoot. me of geometry it's, wars, but right. Such an old reference, I don't know. If-
2: it looks <laughs> amazing. Oh man, I'm definitely playing this for sure. Yeah,
3: it looks it looks super fun. Uh, then the other big thing, they you can check that toady. whole to are very, well, and they kind of did the uh what rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles kind of did. Like they, it feels like they really honed in on like what makes what makes each toad different and so like Mm -hmm. they gave them slight design adjustments and things like that but i mean they kept all the so like they're all the same names and they and they have some of the core abilities and things like that so they love clearly the franchise but you can take a look at the whole video on comic book if we're Um, talking
2: about rare we should definitely like uh rally to try to get them to do another donkey kong country Oh man,
3: Just you're gonna saying. have to fight. You're gonna have to fight <laughs> Charlie for uh, banjo kazooie every time. Oh, that'd there's, be great
2: too. Yeah, here's an event. He always yep. lobbying
3: for that. Um, but the other big thing was in kind of lead up to Fandom, uh, which is this weekend. I can't believe that that's actually this weekend. Um, so of course, uh, the two big gaming related things there are going to be Rocksteady's going to make their. Uh, they've already made their formal announcement, but they're actually going to like evidently show off. A trailer probably, uh, hopefully some designs, things like that, give us more uh, details about their Suicide Squad, uh, Kills the Justice League game. And then their WB Montreal is going to give us hopefully a title at least or details about their next uh, game, which is rumored to be Gotham Knights. Uh, They've been kind of teasing with this like ARG viral thing of like, you got to input a code and the code takes you to a site, but because everybody's trying to get on at the same exact time, it loads for no one. So like it, (laughs) it it took so long for anybody to get the image of the city that they released, right? It's a big old thing. But someone noticed that uh, one of the, uh, like one of the codes was uh, also like the number that was on a uh, DC comic that was Detective Comics, which in that particular issue uh, that matched the number was the first appearance of Barbara Gordon as back. Whoa. How you noticed that, by the way, kudos. Yeah. I, like, <laughs> like I'm a That's nerd, incredible. but like, I, don't, I know like some of that stuff just like still slips by me. So the fact that, that they just recalled that is crazy. Um, but that would be really cool. The only thing that it kind of brings up is, the rumored thing for this is Gotham Knights. So because in Arkham Knight, like you could play as Nightwing, you could play as Robin, Uh, Batgirl was available as part of like a DLC thing, but you couldn't, like that was only at certain parts. Like you go to certain missions and you could play as them, but that was it. Like you couldn't just play the whole game as them. You had to play as Batman. So the thinking here is that this will be like, you can really control the whole Bat family. Um, But it also brings up timeline issues of like where this is going to be. Because if you remember like Arkham Knight, and that storyline, she's Oracle. Barbara Gordon's already Oracle. Um, and so the Batgirl portion is a flashback. So at, that current, at this current point in time, and like the overall story, there is no Batgirl. Uh, so it kind of brings up, okay, well, is it gonna be that same character? Maybe she's done like the comics where she has like a, an experimental uh, implant that goes in her spine and lets her walk again. Is it gonna, is this a prequel? to those games and so it's set in that kind of arkham um oh god uh i'm blanking the previous wb montreal one kofi help me out what was the name of that game what which one the wb montreal the prequel
0: Arcamorgins. Uh, yeah,
1: okay.
3: I was blanking. I was blanking. I was like, because there's so many. There's so many. <laughs> this is, my this uh, is my break? This is my break. My break time. So, <laughs> I'm reclaiming my time. <laughs> <laughs> so this brings up like timeline questions of like where this fits. Uh, but I'm all for if you get me, uh, if you give me bad girl uh, burnside, give me a, a burnside costume, give me like full-on bad girl gameplay uh, with Nightwing and maybe Red Hood. At Robin, I'm totally down. I just agree with a lot of people. I feel like just another Batman won't do it for me. It really needs to be the emphasis on the family or another character entirely. But if it's just Batman, another Batman adventure, I, I won't, I'm not going to lie. I'd probably be a little disappointed. I don't know about you. Do you feel the same way, Janelle?
2: I mean, I, I'm not like a big – I haven't really – participated in this whole uh, dialogue in general. Like, I don't really play these games very often anyways. Um, But I know that the fandom is very strong. So I feel like they're going to support no matter what it is. Is that... They, kind of i mean for look, me to say
3: no because as as weird a reputation as origins have like i mm-hmm. love that game but i understand i tend to be in the minority uh it's still sold extremely well so right <laughs> so, it, you know,
2: it, it, they always do
3: yeah like it's not you know as long as this thing is not superman 64 people are gonna buy it so i'm curious
2: how many like streamers we're gonna see showcasing this one because oh, I, mean, I think that really does influence a lot of people to play games. And it's something that like, you know, whenever I'm trying to tell people what I do for a living, I basically say I have video game review because then they understand what I'm talking about. You know, I
3: think Arkham, I think whatever the Montreal one is, is the one I'm most interested in on a, on a personal level. Mm-hmm. What I think will stream extremely well though, is the suicide squad one because, oh, yeah. because one it's rock steady. And two, because of the promise it has. Like I was saying, I think I said in the tweet or something. I was like, uh, "Give me a Captain Boomerang, Rocksteady oh made gosh. Captain Boomerang, and give me that ridiculous gameplay with like that edge, R-rated edge, you know." So like, yeah, you can kill some people with some boomerangs. Like that would yeah. be nuts. And so I think that game, depending on what it is, will stream extremely well. I don't right. know about the other one, um, but I'm I'm stoked to see we both. So we get will you see to start both. Streaming. I know it's it's I know I need to it's <laughs> on the it's on the list but yeah so that's so that's gaming in a nutshell most of the things we're going to get uh people think we're going to get a title probably before fandom for Ooh. the mysterious one um but we're not really going to get our full look at either of these until Saturday so not too long it's though so soon go gosh late.
2: that is so soon I can't I believe really want to
3: see that uh, Suicide Squad game oh man
2: yeah yeah
1: all right that'll do it for gaming what did you have something else you no like, I was like that's game. gaming all right cool i'm let's still playing Paper for mario right
2: <laughs> it's great by the way
1: <laughs> it's quarantine you don't you, i mean nobody's trying to be cool anymore
2: That's, i know <laughs> straight up
1: <laughs> oh, i'm just kidding now we all you're the coolest let's go mario's with,
2: amazing mario mondays
1: oh my god let's deep dive now we're going to talk about uh netflix's project power so Netflix's Project Power, which has been uh, apparently really successful, um, it's kind of kind of doing well. I think it's like, is it Netflix's like most watched thing? Or I something feel like, like we catch yeah, number about one Netflix
3: every time. It's like, wow, people we'll keep are watching this. Yeah. We'll keep <laughs> yeah,
2: this one's number one. It was number one as of this morning because it just kept popping up yeah. every time I opened Ron up Forbes,
3: Netflix. is no most watched movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Netflix is stealthy successful. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah,
1: I mean, it comes through. Um, So it's really a B-movie. So, like, let's talk about Project Power. We're going to do a full spoilers review here. So Project Power is this kind of B-movie set and filmed in New Orleans, starring Jamie uh, Foxx, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and my girl, Dominique Fishback, who was in the excellent and very underrated The Deuce on HBO, um, which is an awesome series. Go watch that if you haven't. And, uh, yeah, so... It's this kind of near future where superpowers are kind of unlocked in people through this drug called power because it's not a very subtle movie. Um, (laughs) So the drug is called power. (laughs) And it it, it starts with the kind of drug, the origin of how it was introduced to the game, uh, to the streets via machine gun Kelly, um, (laughs) who was like the first one of the first drug dealers to step up and start selling this. And then you cut to this story and the story is very murky and kind of weird. Uh, with these kind of conflicting prongs of Jamie Foxx plays this character called the major who turns out to be from a special forces unit. That was one of the first people contracted to be tested with this kind of superpower uh, enhancement drug. And his daughter was kidnapped because she turns out to be this kind of, because she was born, because he was tested, she was born with um, special abilities. And this kind of like this universal donor or the first stable example of a superpowered person having their powers because the drug only lasts like five minutes of superpowers you get, oh. and it's totally random of whether it unlocks in you and what unlocks in you, or if you just blow up.
2: And they're because... usually like they're not like random things, they're like associated with animals, yeah. So, like an armadillo, like you're you, oh, it's like horse. You, yeah, yeah, you won't get it's hit basically, with bullets. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's the ones that can set themselves. Yeah, but on whether fire, you
1: whether right. you can whether your physiology can take this and transformation or you just blow up is is really it's the same rules of dealing drugs or rolling doing the drugs. Dice. Yeah, you're yeah. kinda rolling the dice. Um, and so basically they took his daughter because she's the first example of a person to kind of stabilize and manifest permanent superpowers and be born with them. And so they take her to research her. And so he's killing everybody to get her back. He's on this measure. crosses over with a story where Joseph Gordon-Levitt is a cop in the New Orleans Police Department who is secretly using power uh, during kind of high-profile busts because it's the only way you can take down kind of, you know, meta-powered criminals. The regular cops are, are, are having a struggle. And it's basically these weird kind of feds that keep coming in Um, and and handling these situations and won't let them arrest the people who manifest superpowers. They just get carted away and nobody knows what's going on. And so Joseph Gordon-Levitt kind of wants to take back the streets and protect blue lives. And so he's taking power on the sly um, to kind of help stop these criminals. Mm. And this, his story crosses over with this young girl named Robin who deals power and gets caught up with Jamie Foxx's character and with Jordan Co- uh, Gordon Levitt's character in Pursuit. Like I said, there's a lot of storylines <sighs> going on in his. But stations. they find
2: a way a- to make it digestible. Like You can understand yeah. what's happening. It doesn't get muddled.
1: But you it, get it. It, it, it get, doesn't get muddled in storylines, but I'd argue like the character relationships get muddled because a lot oh, of it is that's like true. Jamie Foxx and, and Dominique Fishback bonding. But at the same like as a kind of father and surrogate daughter relationship, mm-hmm. but he's actually trying to save his real daughter, who's very right. much alive and a character in this. So it's kind of a weird yeah. thing. And like her and Joseph Gordon Levitt are like friends, but she's a drug dealer and he's, a co- and he's just a weird cop character. Um, yeah. And so that whole thing is kind of weird, but none of that matters because basically it's just going from point A to point B in a single night, like, or, or in a very short span of time beating up one dealer as you go up the food chain to figure out who the main dealer supplier is and having to deal with superpowered criminals along the way. And so in that sense, power is very effective at its job and it kind of has some funny little twists to it. Um, one of them being that <laughs> the movie kind of, the whole movie kind of hinges in its climax on the fact that when Jamie fox found out his super you know what the drug unlocked in him it was basically the power of a pistol shrimp yeah,
2: yeah. i was just uh, gonna say like a nuclear bomb <laughs> yeah,
1: it, it's a pistol <laughs> shrimp um which if you don't know and i had to do some research and we have an article about this on comicbook.com yeah the pistol shrimp is actually a superpowered animal it's a shrimp and it's it's a pretty big shrimp um but uh what it has is it has this weird uh kind of claw appendage that has a plunger that in a stopper, and it basically throws the stopper down into the plunger, which acts as almost like a water gun. But it hits so hard and so fast that it fires basically faster and louder than a bullet. Uh, a stream or uh, like a basically a bubble that it pushes out, an air bubble that fires faster and louder than a bullet. So it's like two hundred ten decibels, and a gunshot is like one hundred and fifty. And the bull, it moving so fast that the pressure differential makes the bubble collapse on itself and implode. And when it implodes, that split second that it does for like a millisecond it's it's as hot as the surface of the sun it's eight thousand kelvin like yeah it's as hot as the surface <laughs> of the sun what's what? that so crazy <laughs> yeah. it's so cool <laughs> yeah right and so and this thing is like it can deafen things it can so like don't go swimming anymore equipment okay. yeah stay out of the ocean man I <laughs> what i wish to watch 47 meters down on cage K- stay out of the ocean bro anyway <laughs> so yeah, and so that's this little super-powered animal. And if you go look up videos, I mean, it's pretty crazy. And what the pistol shrimp does and why it gets its name is it literally just shoots its prey. And if they're lucky, they get killed instantly. If they aren't lucky, they get stunned by how hard they get hit. And then they get dragged into a burrow and eaten alive. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> oh it's my crazy. god so the whole climax of this is jamie fox revealing <laughs> hilariously that he has the power of a pistol shrimp and everybody being like "eh," and then him just using it's raining out and using this kind of sonic you know attack to turn all the bubbles the gunshots into liquid metal and yeah. set off these kind of explosions that are hot as the sun and disintegrate an entire army of people um, and
3: that's the big climax oh my it's god cool. i want to watch that now yeah right yeah. i mean it,
1: it is kind of good and it's this is project power in a nutshell it's so stupid but oddly kind of fun
2: <laughs> i feel like they did it well though like they yeah. didn't make it a joke no it's like, Ariel, I did...
1: it's made by um the catfish guys Ariel, Henry. Uh, Juice my heart, heart was
2: racing yeah. like really? it's yeah wow.
1: yeah they, it's they made good. it and uh written by madison tomlin who um when he did
2: if you have like any kind of imagination, you can get. And down
1: he co and he co-wrote the Batman with Matt Reeves. So I mean, this is his. Wow, talk breakdown. about a <laughs> yeah. talk about a very varied resume. Um, <laughs> um, but like, yeah, uh, no, I mean, this is it. Actually, fits because this is a very kind of dark, noir, kind of edgy, and Jamie Fox is like a brutal Batman. I mean, he's just basically mm-hmm. going around. He literally his job in this movie is to beat the living crap out of one criminal, superpowered or not and then interrogate them and he's not like a superpowered individual he's just mm-hmm. an ex-special forces highly trained guy who wants to get his daughter back and doesn't care if machine gun you know kelly goes full human torch on him he still beats his butt you know and then you know gets the information and so that's why it's entertaining it's literally just a second a second of him going and like okay i'm gonna inter- i'm gonna interrogate machine gun kelly oh no he's a human torch oh god i gotta deal with this and then going on and in that sense as long as it's moving like that project power is great when he tries to do some of the dramatic stuff it gets a little bit more muddled about the characters because like jamie is threatening to kill dominique fishback one minute um and kill her mother <laughs> if she doesn't give him information and then he's her sarah surrogate ser- dad in like another moment so it's mm-hmm. kind of yeah weird. that
2: was that was the only thing that wasn't really like believable or whatever to me but it i forgive it just because you know it's fun. I, the, I'm not going yeah. yeah, I'm
1: not hating. It's fun I'm in the Q-y. same way like Bright is fun, you know? Like <laughs> yeah. you and Bright, I
3: knew, <laughs> I knew Bright was coming up. Um, I will, I, here's the thing. I had no real like want to go watch this really. Same. Um, but I will watch it for that scene alone. I will yeah. totally watch yeah, it. Now. I mean Rodrigo Santoro
1: from 300 goes like full Hulk in one part. Like, That's I mean, cool.
3: yeah, it's it's. Crazy. See, that sounds ridiculous fun. So I will. Yeah. I will probably and at an
1: underground drug dealer lab. Oh, and while one chick is like kind of exty, seeing out on her Iceman powers, there's an entire fight scene from her perspective inside this tank because they have to keep it heated. So
2: well done. Yeah,
1: so well done. Where Jamie Fox is just destroying a room full of people but she's just like sitting there looking at her ice tan and icing. She's up the like screen. freaking and out, trying like, to get yeah. out. Yeah. And then you just see it from her perspective as people are going flying across the room that Jamie Foxx is just like smashing through people. So oh it's a lot gosh. of fun. Yeah. Go watch project. Pat. That
3: sounds fun. Okay. It is. I, fun. I will watch that. All right. All right. We got to
1: move on, but um, Lovecraft country. I thought that was going to be a lot longer, but um, no, it, since I'm the only one who saw it. Yeah. Now we can say um, the real thing that I liked about this kind of pilot episode like I said, when I kind of alluded to in our review, is the historical horror that I thought was really good. I mean, the, the episode opens with this like big sequence of this full H.P. Lovecraft monsters. But what it really kind of does is when Misha Green and, and Jordan Peele kind of settle into this rhythm of showing you just what, how scary it is to be like, black and go from Chicago to Massachusetts in 1950s America.
2: Oh, my gosh.
1: And they don't specifically name real places, but they stop in a place that's Devon County. That's, I'm pretty sure right around where I grew up in Pennsylvania, because um, there is Devon, Pennsylvania, as a real place. Um, and you learn about things like, and they did what they did for Watchmen, which is to make you learn this thing about the horror of things like sundown towns, where these characters have to race a sheriff to get out of town before, literally before the sun goes down, or they're all going to get hung, legally hung. And you know, you go to look this stuff up, and I'm sure people have been Googling this now, and yeah, sundown town's a real thing, and it's freaky to find out that not only are they real things, but they're like real things that possibly still exist in some places because they were never official ordinance. There's no official records. There's nothing on a book that says yeah. this place was a sundown town. It was just oh signs God. people put up kind of agreements between the populace um, and all this. And there's research has done so that hundreds of American cities, suburbs or other kind of regions have been sundowns at some point in history and so therefore if you just have a kind of crazy community that's still like that then you technically still have that or it's just kind of enforced in different ways you know now now maybe like everything's good during the day but as soon as the sundown goes down certain people get pulled over by the police or yeah. you know yeah things like that so you know, um yeah and uh yeah uh and just a crazy thing though as some friends kind of contact me and said is that historical horror is great but this show is so weird and kind of like uh, i don't even know how to describe it kind of way um but like when it then goes full horror at the end where they're getting about to get hung by a bunch of cops in the woods and then they get attacked by these lovecraft monsters known as shogoths which are these kind of creatures with many kind of pulsating eyes all over their bodies and stuff like yeah (laughs) and they have to have this whole survival in in the woods type deal I don't like, like
3: monsters with multiple eyes that's automatically if I hate
1: well I that's hate why it. I love crafty and <laughs> horror like is so popular because that's what it is it's just these kind of cruel concept like these weird yeah, concepts of. Ugh. Theoretical monsters that are just disgusting and like have eyes and no form and appendages, the which they've had to change for the show. So they basically make it a made it a rancor with many eyes all over it. Man, but in Warcraft, it was just like a formless blob that's nothing but eyes. And the eyes like come out and then deform <laughs> and reform. Uh, blah, and it, blah, blah. And <laughs> and you're like blah. one of those people that ha- like hates anything like kind of looks like spores. Like do you hate art yeah, kinda, like no. dots? Like they're I like I don't spores. like I
3: like stuff like that that looks <laughs> like uh, I found spongy. it at the bottom of my I think I don't, I don't <laughs> do like that. Stuff I know. Oh man. Up. I hope we get back in an office soon. I'm going to, I'm going to mess. No, me no. Okay. Well <laughs> that, okay. So you brought up a really good question because like you were saying, like someone was, you were either telling someone or someone else was kind of asking like, what is the show about? And I had like, Anissa ask me cause I was like, Oh my, I really want to watch the show. Like Kobe and, and, charlie kind of sold me on this (laughs) i want to watch the show and she's like okay well what is it about and i had the hardest time trying to explain i was like well like so is it what is the the way to shrink what this show is like down into like a bite size give somebody a a a word a phrase like how do you explain what the show is is it historical horror like is that what you go with um yeah, I would say it's kind of historical horror
1: meets like sci-fi fantasy. Um Ooh. because like there is I mean HP Lovecraft wasn't just a horror writer. He wrote horror, sci-fi, and all things like macabre and weird. Yeah. And so all these strange outlandish tales. And so the show oh. it, I would it's very much Tales of the Cryptian in, in the sense that okay. there it begins to settle into episodic. I mean it's still like Watchmen, it's serialized but it's still very episodic and standalone, almost like a movie. And so different ones begin to kind of, they have these different flavors. They very much do episode to episode. Because like Lovecraft, sometimes it's more horror. Sometimes it's just more horrifically weird stuff. And sometimes it's more sci-fi weird. Like the next episode called Whitey's on the Moon. And it, it's really all about occult secret societies and that kind of weird sci-fi belief of the 1950s you know era where science really came and sci-fi really took off and with those outlandish concepts of like zippo rays and all that stuff like is very much in this the fourth episode is this kind of very self-contained like trading places episode with a horror twist to it and and, but it's about kind of racial identity and, and and stuff like that if you could trade places and do things differently um but it's very much with a horror twist but that's very twilight zoney you know what i mean yeah so because it's jj J. abrams there's this sci-fi stuff because it's jordan peele there's this get out slash twilight zone vibe and misha green made underground so there's this historical um racial kind of lens that's in it and these all three mix all the time and they kind of oscillate in the show so it's Would very you say hard they to mix well like
0: yes. do you think and, it and does, is it's yeah good? it's
1: wonderfully weird that's the thing my friend was saying to me I don't think I finished, but like, it's just like, I don't know what this show, it's so weird. <laughs> and nerd, it's he said, it's, it's really, and he's, my, my friend's black, just so we say, he said, it's really black, it's really nerdy, it's really <laughs> weird, and it's really like horror. Like, and I, I don't know what to make of it, but I love it, and, I, and I'm loving it. So okay. it's like, it's kind of weird, yeah. Um, and it's like, yeah, it's like trying to boil down Watchmen's the same thing. HBO just found the formula. Yeah. They're doing diversity and inclusiveness and all that stuff. And it's not just about Black. It's like I said, future episodes, there's stuff about LGBTQ stuff. And and that also, again, with like horror or weird sci-fi spins to it, um, there's stuff about that. Um, And it's also very pulpy because the main character is a book nerd who loves Lovecraft and and all those stories. So the opening sequence is like the Red Queen from John Carter of Mars. And she's kind of a metaphor on the show. And he's John Carter in in a certain sense. And there's all that stuff. So um you gotta watch it journey smollett is is really crazy good in it and she has a standalone episode coming up and that's uh where
3: she kind of this buys. is on my it is on my list because that it sounds every time we talk about it yeah it makes me want to watch it more so yeah. i'm yeah. gonna carve out some time and no
1: watch. you gotta watch it she has a haunted house episode coming up um yeah Hers is, a, is like, that's what hers
2: is. is a haunted house. I'm still point. waiting on HBO to what get on the Roku. Of- and then I, it will definitely be on my list. All right, <laughs> so so he's like, can't you stream it? I'm like, I won't four, pay for it until it's on four my Season Comic Book Nation will feature Janelle's return to uh, HBO <laughs> in
1: 2022. Um, until then, check out Lovecraft Country because uh, yeah, no, it's good stuff. And it's good summer content going into fall. It, it's giving me life right now. So uh, I hope that's you guys awesome. will be there with me because we'll be talking about it, I'm sure. All right, let's do some comics before we throw yeah. to our interview with Spider-Woman comic writer, Carla Pacheco. Yeah! Yeah,
2: No. Uh.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. know. Uh, so we'll kick off things with actually a, a new book was announced. So we have yet another uh, entry in the X-Men franchise. Uh, Wolverine Black, White, and Blood uh, is going to be wow, like- that's like America. End. I, yeah, hey! <laughs> it's, uh, and it's very fitting because it's going to be an anthology series. Uh, each issue is going to have three different stories, and they're going to get cool creative teams, and, and it's all done in the black and white, and then it's going to have red kind of areas or red highlights and things like that. So um, interesting, very cool. I mean, black, Batman Black and White has kind of done that in, like, the statues and things like that, and it's also released comics that are in that, so now... Marvel going to have kind of theirs. And I dig the format. I would, actually, I wasn't really uh, jazzed about like the Wolverine solo series, but I will say this is more interesting to me because we're going to get several different creators. So like the first one uh, is going to be Marauders. Uh, Jerry Duggan and Adam Kubert are going to craft the tale. Uh, then we're going to get Matthew Rosenberg and Joshua Kassara uh, doing another story. Uh, and then we're going to get Declan Shelvy is going to do a story. So the fact that it's kind of this rotating group is going to be different every time. Kind of has me excited for a Wolverine series. And, and you know, I, I like Wolverine. I'm just, he's kind of like the Batman of Marvel. He's in everything. <laughs> so it's kind of like old. You so can't do much. anything about
1: Wolverine, man. Yeah.
3: Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> that sounds, but that sounds cool. Um, moving into comics this week. So uh, we have the next part of Joker War, uh, Batman 97. Uh, we also have a kind of a critical Joker War tie-in in Nightwing number 73, because Joker knows who Nightwing is, but he's kind of taken over... Uh, the, he's stolen the thing that can give him his memories back. So he's kind of twisted him to where he feels like Joker was his mentor all those years and not Bruce Wayne. So he's kind of in this little Joker family thing. So that's a very kind of critical tie in if you're looking to keep up with that series. We also have Aquaman number 62, which is excellent as always. And I am bummed that it is ending soon. The series was one of the cancellations. So I believe Whoa, it will be We got a note from DC
1: Comics saying no. We got hit up by, no, we got hit up by DC Comics. I wrote that article. <gasps> and oh we got gosh, hit up by DC that. Comics. And the official statement from DC Comics is that, no, um, Aquaman will not be canceled. Yes. And a major arc in issue 65. And that'll be the, it for uh, Kelly Sue. Will be, that'll be the end of her run. So yes. That's amazing. Been, um, I mean, everything is going to be a major war for Atlantis Mara has just kind of shook everything up saying she's trying to end the monarchy. Um, But she's going to probably pick somebody to marry and it's not going to be who we think. And it's going to pretty much change everything about. That series has
3: been so good up until this point. It's been Kelly Sue's done some really cool world building. There's so many cool characters in it. There's this issue that just hit has like a full-on like Jackson Black Manta thing. And of course, like the mech head that is his grandfather is like the the spirit of his grandfather's in this thing. The, the AI. It's nuts. And I love it. I'm so excited. Okay. So I'm glad Kelly Sue gets to end her run. And I'm also glad the series is not going anywhere because it's it's yeah. It's DC really comments hit us up real quick after I published Ooh, that article. That makes they me so like,
1: happy. Hold on, hold on, hold on, <laughs> hold on.
3: We canceled a lot around here lately, but... Well, 62 is in the stores uh, today, so definitely check that out because it's not going anywhere. Uh, we also have Avengers number 35, which is the next uh, part of the Age of Khonshu. We also got a word from Marvel that the next thing that comes after this is Enter the Phoenix, which will be kind of the major Avengers event. That's um, kind of risque, well, and they've been like, I mean, this issue specifically kind of talks about, and I'm not even touching that, Kofi. This, <laughs> this uh, newest issue kind of delves back into the Avengers, B.C., so it'll be interesting to see how they work Phoenix in to be like the main part of this Answered? series going forward. I'm not doing I'm not touching it. Uh, Harley Quinn number 75, this is the last issue. Uh, that ends Sam Humphrey's run. So definitely check it out. It's got like a ton of guest appearances from across the run. Uh, Almost every supporting character makes an appearance here. There's some great little in-jokes and winks at Marvel and things like that. So definitely check that out. Also has a new punchline story that you should check out. Uh, Wolverine number four, Uh, Captain Marvel number 20, Once in Future number 10, Uh, Wonder Woman Dead Earth number four, Spider Woman number three. Look at that synergy. Uh, Maestro number one, Uh, Power Rangers, Dragon New Dawn, which takes Ranger Slayer into this. It's a one shot, but it takes, or sorry, it's a three issue series. And the first issue hits today and it takes Ranger Slayer into her new status quo as the leader of the coinless universe. Awesome, you should check it out. Uh, Dead Day number two. And then finally, a new number one from Vault Comics, Shadow Service number one, if you're looking for something different. And that is comics. All right, now. If you comic fans want to
1: hang around, we are going to jump into our interview, well, Matt's interview with Spider Woman writer Carla Pacheco. uh, As that series is now dropping, you guys should be uh, checking it out. And Matt and Carla are going to explain to you why.
3: So let's go to that interview. Hey, Comic Book Nation fans! I am Matt Aguilar from ComicBook.com, and I have the pleasure of talking to writer of Spider Woman, Carla Pacheco. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Oh, of course, of course. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I made a ton of noise on Twitter, by the way, when I teased <laughs> and, that. And
5: I and I, I saw that all of the Spider Babies were responding. I almost gave you a heads up when you uh, tweeted that. It's like you're you're about to. Uh, Get quite the onslaught.
3: <laughs> I saw. Uh, I oh my god. Uh, there was. Uh, they were like uh, the DMs are full. I was like, yeah, oh, okay, oh, I <laughs> yeah, I'll get the DMs. Uh, but shout out to all, by the way, the awesome Spider Woman fans. I love it.
2: I, I yeah, love. No, no, it's
5: it's it's a. Uh, I I've talked about it before. I it, I uh, when I first started writing the book, I had no idea just how enthusiastic and terrifying the love of the spider babies can be, but they have been nothing but uh, just fantastic, lovely, lovely, and uh, just, just some of the greatest Jess uh, cheerleaders. And I, I am very, very, very uh, blessed to have them.
3: <laughs> Absolutely, no. Uh, so, you know, let's, yeah, let's get into, of course we are, uh, for those who are watching, uh, spoilers for issue one and two, um, but three, you're safe because <laughs> i haven't read three <laughs> so yeah you're good uh but yeah just as a spoiler warning because we're gonna kind of get right into it um you know in the last issue uh spider woman had us discovering that jess is is dying and that's a huge bomb yeah, uh, she, to, she's
5: she's not feeling great
3: to lay on people um you know and then of course the double whammy because of course like jerry might have the same thing later and like oh my god like you're th- you're throwing me for a loop right so Um, You know, what do you hope to explore in this particular storyline that you feel perhaps hasn't been explored in, you know, other iterations of the character?
5: Uh, So I I think like, by kind of like taking Jess to kind of this dark place where she's not feeling good physically, um, we're, we're going to be getting into some really deep stuff with her history. And I kind of feel like, like, obviously, she's got a very deep backstory of the childhood experiments that her dad did on her because you know it's like because she was sick um and you know her history like you know depending on if you're going from original og history or like brian bendis's origins uh spider woman origins which is mostly where i've been taking like my foundation from while incorporating you know a few other things um you know, she she didn't have a great childhood. I mean, there was a whole ten or so year block that was missing while she was in a coma, and then there was definitely a betrayal by her father, uh, betrayal from Hydra, who kind of raised her after you know she went into the coma, and you know her mom died, and so she's had a lot of trauma. <laughs> that whole I was a scroll thing. You know, it's a you know she she's been through an exceptional amount of trauma in her life and so right now I kind of feel like this thing that you know I've been doing where it's kind of like stripping out the powers that keep her alive but giving her a more augmented sense of powers. Uh, Basically, it's, we're making her more dangerous, uh, both to herself and to other people, even though she's doing it for a good cause, you know, just, oh, the concern that this might affect her son down the road. Um, But also, she is doing it for Rebecca, like, there is that thing in, uh, you know, Michael Marchand's daughter, there's the line, uh, when she first finds out that the reason she's sick is because, you know, Michael Marchand has basically, gave her a flu shot that just stripped out a lot of uh, basically all the good stuff that uh, her father's experiments had done. And so now she's just left with the powers and something that's augmenting those. But she doesn't, you know, she's just, it's going to kill her eventually. Um, and, but she did say, you know, she's like, you could have just asked me, like, you didn't have to make this a life or death situation. Yeah. Um, so I think she would have helped, but this definitely, you know, what Michael Marchand did, definitely, he he put her in a can't say no, can't turn it down situation. Um, what we're going to be heading into is just a really bonkers emotional (laughs) roller coaster with a lot of dinosaur punching.
3: That's a great sentence. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, such a good sentence. Um, it's, a,
5: it's a very Carla way to do things. It's just like, oh yeah, we'll talk about feelings, but first, punches, explosions. Well, yeah,
3: and that's, well, and you know, you mentioned too, like you, you want to make her more, you know, dangerous, you know, to a degree or more, you know, more lethal when it comes to her powers. Cause I mean, we always see her using her powers and things like that, but sometimes she's viewed as a threat, other times she's not, it's kind of, ebbed and flowed over the years. Yeah. Uh, and,
5: well, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, uh, I wanted to, you know, and Marvel when they first approached me about the book for them, they very much, they wanted big, bad, dangerous spider woman. And so that's really what we kind of, that was our starting point. And I was like, okay, how do we get there and where do we take her? Um, and so she's definitely going to be going on, Quite the, like I said, quite the emo- emotional journey, and things are about to get really, really wild uh, in issue three.:
3: <laughs> Oh I cannot wait. Well, and you know you can't it, one of the biggest things too that uh, I was excited about for this series is that we were going to see like villains for her because over the years, you know we've had some, you know, yeah, but a yeah, lot of times know. they're other, they're from other places. they're yeah, whoever's I mean, like, not they- using.
0: Yeah, it's
5: like, and even like Black Cat, you know, started out as a Spider-Woman villain, but quickly just became the Spider-Man villain, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it was funny because they were doing like the villain variant covers for, I think, issue two. And uh, they're like, I guess she's fighting Juggernaut, or, you know, it's like she's had, you know, or the Green <laughs> Goblin, like, they were kind of like, she doesn't really have her own rogues gallery. Like, she doesn't have a dedicated no. Rogue's Gallery. I mean, I guess like going way back, like if you look at like Morgan Le Fay or, but yeah. she didn't, she doesn't really have like, you can't go like, oh, like, oh yeah, that person just hates Spider Woman. Like you don't have yeah. a real nemesis. And so it was it was definitely really fun. I had a lot of fun uh, creating Octavia Vermis and we're def- we're going to be seeing quite a bit of her in the future, so. Like, hope. Hopefully, y'all liked her because you're gonna see more
3: of her. <laughs> <laughs> well, and actually, I was gonna—that's a perfect segue because I was gonna ask about Octavia because we see them have this awesome fight and a in a really oh. brutal fight, which is great. Like, it was it was fantastic. So, yeah. you know, can you take us a little bit behind, like, her creation and kind of what uh, you were hoping to accomplish with it?
5: It's a—I uh, mean, like I said, uh, I, I one of my first introductions to Spider Woman, like as a reader, was in Bendis's Avengers and Spider Woman Origins. And I kind of wanted to dip back and kind of take some of those smaller moments, and that's where it's like Auto Vermus, uh, you know, w- you know, was part of, you know, Jessica's kind of upbringing, but not really uh, uh, with Hydra. And I just I had come up with Octavia and just kind of making her like the really badass gun smuggling you know, black market dealer that, you know, obviously has something going on of her own. Uh, And Perry just did such an incredible job of bringing her to life. Um, And early on uh, when I first like was creating Octavia uh, editorial and Perry was like, okay, so do you have any reference shots that you want to use? And I absolutely did. And I, legally cannot say who I used. (laughs) Um, But uh, so, so there was, there was some definite thought where I immediately was like, oh, I know what she looks like. Uh, Here you go. Um, And uh, it was, it was pretty exciting uh, to see what Perry did with her. And that fight scene that you talked about, like, I just, what Perry did with that was so phenomenal. So Perry is actually a trained martial arts instructor himself. Oh, and uh, and I date uh, a stuntman. So between the two of us, oh, I gosh. think you see a lot of that coming out uh, in this spe- spe- <sighs> specifically this issue. Um, that fight scene between Octavia, I just that was it. Just had such a great kung fu movie feeling to it. Um, that was just really, really phenomenal.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, There's yeah, so and, much and, action there. And,
5: and and I think all of the fight scenes just, they just progressively just keep getting better and better through, like, right now uh, we're working on issue seven. Uh, so somebody
4: <laughs>
5: wanted to make some dinner. <laughs> decided he couldn't wait.
2: I'm
5: sorry. So... Stunt, stunt, babe! Everybody, he, he helps me block out my stuff, and also pumps uh, like pokes buttons on the microwave when I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> it's okay. I still love you, mostly. It's all good. <laughs> Corona times, uh, but yeah. So the fights just get progressively bigger and bigger as we go on uh, what Perry's working on right now in issue seven. A, it's going to make everybody so incredibly mad at me. Uh, but B, it is some of the most amazing action scenes that I think I've ever seen in a comic. It is just phenomenal stuff. Oh my God.
3: Okay. So, you know, kind of, so kind of going on that, cause that, that tease gets me thinking, of <laughs> course, uh, as everyone can clearly see by my background. <laughs> yeah. Um, You know, that is something now that we're kind of in the social media age, right? You can, you can, uh, with just a couple clicks and, you know, a little research, you can find everyone on some social network, whether it's it's Instagram or Twitter. And, you know, comics is no different. And so when you have an issue or you have a a choice that's made in a plot, it's like immediate. You're going to, you're going to see the reaction. I mean, has that. You know, we talked, you know, a little bit about it, but like has that been uh like an I adjustment with Spider Woman? Audio.
5: Can you still hear me? Oh yes. I just lost your audio. Oh, did you? Oh yeah, now it's back.
3: Oh, okay, my bad.
5: Oh okay, um, my uh, FYI, it might be my internet. Uh so if we if we drop out briefly, uh I will just try to reconnect.
3: Yeah, that's fine. F- um, okay, FYI. Let me uh let me Let's see. Let me rephrase the question. That way we can have a clean spot. Sounds good. Um, So, you know, one of the things with and it's with any medium, it's movies, TVs and comics is no different. The creator and the fans have this just there's no hardly any partition, hardly any wall. The minute you make a choice, you're going to hear about it. So, you know, with something like that, that you already know is going to uh, piss some people off, you know, how do you. Is that just something you kind of go into it knowing like I know I'm going to get backlash or how do you, you
5: I mean, I think at this point, most of the spider babies uh, realize that I I take probably a perverse amount of joy in in the tears of the readers. (laughs) Uh, So like, I don't, I, I don't do stuff specifically to piss off somebody. I think that's a cheap shot, but I will rip your heart out with great glee. Um, And I mean, I killed the entire Fantastic Four in the last two pages of Fantastic Four 2099 after spending, you know, 28 pages just making you fall in love with the whole new team. It's gonna be great. And then I just murdered them ruthlessly. Uh, That one got people really angry. Um, But uh, so I probably haven't killed anyone off yet.
3: Oh that's good. <laughs> that's a positive. Have, that's a win.
5: I probably have not done that. Uh I probably uh I everyone's just gonna be really angry at me. Listen, it's <laughs> like there's no way around it. Uh I am going to have some uh very upset spider babies and uh but I, I hope that uh, everyone will be seeing it in a hurt so good way, not just i 'm just doing it to mess with you because i'm yeah. definitely I definitely would never do anything just to mess with people. that would be mean exactly no and and you
3: know there is also an element of trust that gets built up, like things are for to explore interesting avenues yeah. and, and yeah. it 's better so yeah it 's it's
5: it's always to serve the story, and no. you know obviously i 'm going to make choices in the story that. You know pe- you know other other writers wouldn't do that the fans wouldn't like but hopefully like what i'm doing overall is something that uh people are engaged in and feel invested in and uh that they stick around for
3: well and you know one of the cool uh teases in issue two was actually at the very very end um when you know octavia says some things to Jess and you know, she's trying to kind of process that. And um, you know, that is kind of brings up a, a twofold question. You know, one, um, is that going to be a something that we deal with like immediately in issue three or is that more of a longer play uh, throughout the series? Sure.
5: <laughs> uh,
3: and two, um, <laughs> would you recommend because you know you've said like uh a lot of the uh things around her origin uh comes from spider woman origin, origin um, yeah. would you you know is that something you would recommend for people if they're going to kind of follow this series that they it's should uh, go back and read that
5: i i don't think you, you definitely don't need to um but i i know a couple of uh couple of readers mentioned that they went and did a recent read through like or, or a reread of origins and they're like Oh, there is so much stuff here. So I don't think you miss, like, I don't think you uh, would be unable to follow what we're doing with this story. Like I I am intentionally trying to make it accessible for people who've never read a Spider Woman comic before or never read any comic before. I want it to be something that anyone can kind of jump in and go like, oh, this is a cool character. I want to know what's going on with her. but if you have, if you do a little reread of uh, Bendis' Spider-Woman Origins, you're going to see a lot of little Easter eggs. Um, and I, th- I think the other thing is like kind of, you know, we're, we're kind of layering in bits and hints through these first two issues. And this continues on. And I think there's going to be a lot of people who get to, you know, issue five and just go back to the beginning and reread everything over again. And it's all going to make a, like a re like you, there'll be a lot of things that you catch, you know, I think on a set, on a full read through.
3: <laughs> awesome. No. Uh, so now I'm going to get, uh, to some of, uh, we got some awesome questions, uh, from people. Um, so I am, uh, I'm excited to get to some of these because some of these are actually really fun. Uh, so They always are. <laughs> uh, what kind of music does Jess listen to?
5: Uh, well, I usually write her in complete silence because I'm a weirdo. Really? I didn't know that, yeah. Uh, no, it's uh, most people are like, oh, like, yeah, what's the soundtrack you listen to when you're writing? It's like, nothing. Like, I sit in complete silence. <laughs> like, they're like podcasts, like, mm-mm. Uh, whatever works. Yeah, but actually, uh, I'll I'll go ahead and I'll just give uh, uh, Jess, when I do listen to music, like on my road trips, uh, I listen to the 1940s radio station. Uh, Like, it's just like a 40s channel. And so basically, I feel like I'm like playing Fallout, you're just listening to like, old (laughs) old timey music and big band stuff. So I'll I'll just say Jess gets into that.
3: Boy, Fallout and uh, uh, Bioshock have like ruined that type of music for me, because now like, I can't hear it and not think of those games. <laughs> it's, it's, it's over. Um, you know, uh, now that we've uh, got a few issues of Spider Woman and that you've kind of got a few under you know, your belt, uh, what's the one thing you've learned about Jess that uh, you, know, you might not have thought about before?
5: Um, a lot of it's been kind of just like the, uh, like her being a parent, her being a mother, um, was uh, like trying to approach that um, how I would, you know, approach having a child or whatever, which obviously the answer was send him to a farm upstate. Uh, <laughs> but no, a, I, I'd say probably the biggest thing about writing her and really digging into the character all over again is uh, it's just the the depth of affection that people have for her and that she has for other people. Um, like, cause I think she kind of thinks of herself as a loner, but she actually is very, very well loved and she has a huge heart. And so I think that side of the character, like that softer side, you know, it's uh, even though I'm obviously focusing more on the blowing up helicopter side and <laughs> punching dinosaurs, there is a, very soft core to her, like an emotional core that I don't think she really deals with well. She's very like, oh, you know, I've got a hard hard exterior, but she actually does have a lot of affection and a lot of love. And I think that's been fun to explore.
3: Uh, no, awesome. And definitely, definitely agree. You know, will there be a King in Black tie-in for Spider-Woman?
5: Uh, it's definitely going to be affecting Spider-Woman. Uh I'm not sure how much I can say, but uh I'm just gonna say once again, issue seven is going to be very, very interesting. Oh my god, I cannot wait for this issue now. <laughs> I've I,
3: my, my height meter has gone up so much. Oh my god. Um well and we this still, might... and,
2: we still, and
5: we still have to get get to issue five, uh, you know, issue one hundred, our big uh, oh gosh, legacy yeah. one hundred. Uh which that kind of finished this this first half of our story, but and then we leap directly into uh, something very exciting. And so, I think like you're gonna love issue six, and issue seven is gonna be bonkers. Uh, eight, nine, ten. As soon as I get around to writing them, those will also be bonkers.
3: <laughs> oh my gosh! And you know, yeah, that's crazy because of course this all falls on. Spider-Woman 100, and that's got to be a pretty awesome thing to be working on such a a huge anniversary.
5: Oh, no, it is. And uh, I I was really happy with what we came up with to kind of pay tribute to her history while also, you know, we're wrapping up this first arc, you know, this first, uh, we're wrapping up this first story uh, leading into the next big story and then also still uh, paying tribute to the history of spider woman. And we do that with this, uh, second story with, uh, Matthias and it is just gorgeous. Um, so I, I think people will be really pleased with, with that. Like it's, it's our big finish for the first arc. And then also just, just some gorgeous, gorgeous art, uh, from, from Matthias. That is just, <laughs>
3: um, well, and you know, it, you kind of bring up doing some really cool things. And, and of course, um, you know, with an anniversary issue like that. It's got a lot of variant covers. And, you know, oh, yeah. we, uh, fans have, have reacted really well to the costume and things like yeah. that.
5: It's a, It was so funny when the costume was first announced, uh, obviously, actually, when the book was first announced and they announced it with the legacy costume on the cover, uh, like, I, I had such a deluge in my Twitter mentions of half people that were furious that, she'd gone back to the old suit. The other half were thrilled that she was going back to the old suit. And meanwhile, I was like- (laughs) You knew the whole time. (laughs) I was like, wow, I'm about to piss all y'all off, which turned out to just be kind of my running theme for the series. Uh, (laughs) uh, But yeah, once people saw the costume in the story, and realize there's actually something going on with the costume, not just with what it represents as far as her mindset and state of mind that she's in, but also it's something to do with the plot. There's something going on with that suit that she's not aware of yet. And so, uh, well, you know, we're gonna be getting into that. And I think once most people, once they kind of saw the, the suit in action, uh i think even people that were sort of on the on the fence about it or didn't like it at first i, I think it's been embraced a lot a lot wider since then
3: yeah i think it looks amazing in the action sequences oh, I, I, specifically I, I, yeah. yeah
5: it's a it's a good helicopter exploding suit like, it's, just,
3: <laughs> it's a good pun- dinosaur punching suit. <laughs> yeah
5: that's that's like it is aerodynamic for all your dinosaur punching needs so
3: someone asked a question by the way about punching dinosaurs but I have no idea how to pronounce this particular I, I, species.
5: I, I think I saw the uh, I saw the tweet in question where they asked about like yeah
3: Compsognathus. Com- <laughs> I'm sure I butchered that. I apologize so, to the dinosaur. People.
5: So yeah, I saw someone ask like yeah does does Jess punt you know this when <clears throat> Um and uh, so I had to of course go look that one up, and uh, actually yes. Hey! <laughs> you heard it, it here. It's actually yeah. Spoiler: she chucks one at someone's head.
3: Oh no! I would not have seen that coming.
5: Well, that's... neither did he. Neither did he.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's I'm so glad we could answer that. So that's perfect. Um, you know, uh, there's also uh, okay. This one's just amazing. Uh, if Jessica Drew had to choose between jorts and culottes, which would she set on fire first?
5: Definitely culottes. I I think she thinks culottes are are, uh, a fool's game. I mean, they're shorts that lie. Like, she just could not, (laughs) you know, abide that.
3: (laughs) Um, And uh, also, uh, are we really going to be calling for blood by the end of issue number seven? And whose blood?
5: Uh, Mine. And uh, I don't think you'll even get to the end of it before you're calling for
3: it. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, my God. This, the hype for this is incredible at this <laughs> point. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't
5: want to under—I don't want to oversell how much everyone will be so so furious with me, but oh, there's going to be some hurt feelings.
3: Oh my gosh. Okay, so then uh, one here, um, because thank you so much for taking the time to talk. I, I could Absolutely. talk about Spider Woman all day, uh, which all my coworkers yell at me about, so this is great. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, one last one here. Uh, any chance to see Spider Woman in crossover with other series, and I would say other characters uh, as well in the foreseeable future?
5: Well, I mean, obviously she's been popping up uh, in Captain Marvel popping up, uh, you know, it's with, uh, with Strike Force, which, you know, both Kelly Thompson and Tini Howard have been doing amazing stuff with uh, Jess. And, you know, I think we all kind of joke about, like, I, I mean, I, I think I, I joked with Kelly Thompson the other day of, like, you know, it's like, oh, I just, i am so glad to have, you know, Jess is one of my favorite babysitters for Jess, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and, uh, but yeah, so they've been doing amazing stuff with her. uh as far as like in a big crossover event, uh, she's gonna be pretty busy coming up. So I guess we'll see where she shows up and where, uh, where, where she gets into trouble next.
3: Awesome. Well, I, I can't wait. I cannot wait for, I was already <laughs> excited for three and I was looking forward to five by the end of this conversation, but like seven, it's ridiculous. Like I'm probably gonna go stick it on my calendar. So yeah, you have- a,
2: we, we
5: honestly, every issue, just keeps ramping things up. I mean, like, as, as you probably could already tell from issue one and two, I like my little cliffhangers. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> so, yeah, uh,
5: that's, that's going to just keep ramping up uh, more and more. And so uh, I'm, I'm very excited for everybody to get to, get to check it out.
3: Uh, well, I cannot wait. And of course, you can always uh, check out all of our comic book reviews and comic book coverage, because well, we will be covering seven and what happens <laughs> there on comicbook.com.
5: Thanks so much for having me on. All right. Matt did an
1: adequate job without me interviewing Spider-Woman writer, Carla Pacheco. We (laughs) want to thank her for coming on Comic Book Nation and be sure to pick up Spider-Woman Comics. New one is hitting this week. Issue number three, so you're not too late to kind of jump in now. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. We want to thank you guys as always, as hanging with us, especially during our quarantine arc. We hope you are enjoying the show. We put up new episodes every Wednesday and Friday on comicbook.com where you can listen to them or you can subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platforms. We're on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts and Google and Google Playlists or you can tell Amazon Alexa devices to fire up Comic Book Nation podcasts and they'll get going for you. Or you can look for us live on Facebook every Wednesday and Friday if you want to see our smiling faces. If you are interested in the show, want to talk to us, drop any show topics or respond to anything we talked about, Can always find us hanging around the hashtag comic book nation or you can find me at kofi outlaw
3: you can find me at angular cb
2: and you can find me at janelle wheeler on twitch and all the socials
1: one fine day guys we are going to be back in the office where we have an entire merch closet full of awesome awesomely threaded comic book nation t-shirts and uh we're going to be giving away a bunch to people who leave five star reviews on apple Podcasts, which we will read on the show as an appreciation of our fans. So if you want a free t-shirt for the show, go on Apple Podcast, leave a five-star review so that we can have a whole fan appreciation uh, marathon when we finally one day get past COVID and back in the office. we like three
3: shows for that, man.
1: Yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, I know. It's just going to be like one show. It's just going to be like, I mean, we're going to have to just take a stretch of time and just be like, we'll stretch it out over three shows, whatever. I mean, people will be happy. We'll be getting out t-shirts like crazy stop trying to stop you trying to kill the shirt. love people get are gonna a get a shirt love. i was just saying we're gonna do i'm like trying to take everything from people in 2020 like
0: people are gonna get <laughs> shirts <laughs> people want right? shirts
1: yeah so leave those five star reviews is the point this has been comic book nation we <laughs> want to thank you guys for tuning in we'll be here next time peace
0: deuces